What about you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 106 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with Dam Foxman up here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. He is the founder of Thai Freeze Dry. He's developed a method that takes out only the water out of all these beautiful medicinal herbs and plants and berries and just things that the Western world doesn't know that much about and turns them into the most powerful, helpful herbs for your body, um, help helping you battle cancer or prevent cancer, helping you uh, with inflammation. I'm taking some of his mangosteen right now. It's been really helpful with some of the um, eczema flare-ups that I get. And I was just really happy to get a first-hand look at what he does and just meet the man behind the company because he's a wealth of knowledge. This episode's really cool because he goes really in-depth into a lot of these herbs and medicinal plants that he freeze-dries and then puts into capsule form and how they actually, the science behind what they do within your body just to make you an overall healthier person. So I really hope you love this episode as much as I do because I'm going to keep taking his products. I hope you might try them as well. I'll link in the show notes how to get some of them because they're awesome and, again, just super, super stoked on them. and They're really helping me with all the different things that you know, little ailments that I have. If you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone and hit subscribe on your podcast player. If you like the Misfits and Rejects message, please feel free to leave a comment after the show on your podcast player. If it's iTunes, you can leave a comment in there, rate me, whatever you want. That really helps him within the rankings of iTunes or whatever your podcast player is. Please follow Misfits and Rejects on Instagram. You can follow me on my own path throughout lifestyle design and what I'm doing, where I'm at within it. And if you like Misfits and Rejects and you are a constant listener of Misfits and Rejects and you want to donate to Misfits and Rejects on Patreon, you can do it at Misfits and Rejects on Patreon. A monthly donation of whatever you want. It could be $1. It could be $5. Nothing is expected. It's all appreciated. I love doing this for you guys. I'm happy to keep doing it. But if you really love the, love what I'm doing, please feel free to donate. And with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Dan Foxman. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Dan Foxman, a gentleman whose company I discovered in 2015 while living up in Pi. Never had a chance to really sample any of his uh, herbs, his medicines that he creates here with his company, Thai's Free, Thai Freeze Dry. Um, but this trip, I reached out. He was kind enough to show me his office, and I bought some nice medicine off him. And I wanted to bring him on the show because he's an expat living here in Thailand, been here 15 or 16 years. Is that correct? 16. Yeah, rad. Well, welcome to the show, Dan. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you. So you've been here 16 years, Dan. What brought you here originally 16 years ago? Well, I didn't come here originally 16 years ago. I came here for the first time I came here was in 1971. Wow. Thailand yeah. general or Chiang Mai specific? Chiang Mai specifically. Yeah. Okay. And well, I kept coming back, you know, every once in a great while. And uh, actually, I was going to retire here. I lived in Hawaii for 32 years. And after Hawaii, I moved here. And But um, 
previous to moving here, I'd been here many times over many years. That's interesting. So 71, I mean, that must have been, must have been way different. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah, some of the main roads now were dirt roads, you know, back then and way different. What was the scene like? Was it like an alternative movement of like hippies or was it like travelers just like Yeah, yourself? it was, it was kind of like a pie is today. It's kind of a backpacker's town. Lots of smoothie stands and just you know, backpacker types stuff. It was very nice. Were you passing through Asia in general, like on a, a world tour, or was it just come to Thailand and check it out? No, just come to Thailand. I had a lot of people in Hawaii had told me that, so I took their advice. Okay. You're originally <laughs> from New York, though, right? I'm originally from New York, yeah. Um, born and raised, went to school, and then what What did your parents hope that you become when you uh, <laughs> were there? Yeah, well, well successful. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, no, I went to, uh, I went to, uh, college in Albany, New York, State University of New York at Albany, and, uh, then went on to graduate school in Honolulu, Hawaii for almost eight years, and, uh, then got an honorary PhD in world economics from, uh, the, uh, uh University of Florida. Interesting. So you, you were passionate about economics? I was passionate about staying in school. You did like it. <laughs> I stayed, I, yeah, I, you know, I was dragged out into the business world, you know, screaming and kicking. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you were dragged out, where where did you find your feet? Well, I was in Hawaii, and so I, I found my feet in Hawaii, which is not a bad place to find your feet. Right, I guess business-wise, though, specifically. Business-wise, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think I was very lucky. Uh, um, coming out of school, I met some people that uh, knew... Uh, American Indian jewelry traders in, you know, Arizona, etc. And they said, you know, why don't you try that? See, I had an assistantship uh, teaching while I was in school, and that's supposed to be for two years, and I, I found a way to drag it out to be four years, and finally they said, man, you got to get out of here now. Uh, you know, you got to go make your own money. So I did that and uh, started selling American Indian jewelry. Just about the time it became very popular. I feel very blessed. I've always sort of been in the right place at the right time. Since you did like school so much, you kind of like that atmosphere, and then you transitioned to the business world. What was that transition like? I mean, were you, did you have a good work ethic? Was it something, an easy transition for you? I mean, you obviously were in the right place at the right time, but then you obviously have to like perform and like excel in whatever you chose to do. So was that easy for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was particularly hard, um, but I was there again. I was there at the right time and the right place. And so that worked out pretty well. And uh, I wound up staying in Hawaii for 32 years. One of the things I did in Hawaii is I opened up a freeze dry company in Hawaii. So I've been involved in the freeze dry business for, I guess, about 40 years. It's kind of a bizarre thing to choose to open a freeze-dry company. I mean, what was the incentive? Where did you see that? How did you see that niche as an, an, like a viable option for you? Well, I, I, always, uh, I always was uh, a great student and a great practitioner of organic farming. I, anywhere I lived, I had big gardens. And in a few places, I had small farms, which in Hawaii is, you know, they're pretty small compared to some other place. But these were pretty big for Hawaii. So I've always been involved in natural agriculture, and uh, uh, that actually got me interested in freeze drying. 
And uh, then we did something unique. I had a, another company there. I had a jewelry manufacturing company, and one of our customers was a wedding uh, held, you know, was a, a, a wedding supplier. They held weddings for people from Japan. They had offices in Tokyo where the people signed up, and offices in Honolulu, and they were uh, doing uh, weddings. And so I would pick up their pick up their wedding bouquet, their actual wedding bouquet, bring it back and freeze dry it, and put it in an airtight frame that would last at least ten, fifteen years, so that they could put it on their wall. The video stayed in the drawer. You know, after seeing it once or twice, you never saw it again. But the the, their their wedding bouquet was right on the wall where you That's, looked at it every time you walked into the house. That's so interesting. I so love, I love we, that. we we so we did that for a number of years, and uh, that was quite good. And then uh, the uh, when nine eleven happened, the uh, Japanese would all cancel their weddings. They would not get on an airplane to come over. They wouldn't fly. So. Um, most of the weddings were canceled, and we put the machines, after two months or so, we put the machines in storage. That's when I moved over here. So when I saw the agriculture going on here, and I saw the fact that they were taking these fabulous herbs and uh, drying them in ovens or microwave drying them or doing things which basically I knew would destroy most of the uh, value in terms of health value, and so I said, you know what? Send four machines over here. I'm going to freeze dry Thai herbs. And we did and started Thai freeze dry in 2004. That's so interesting. Can I go back and just ask how, like, your love of, you know, organic farming and gardening ties into freeze drying? Like, I don't understand well, that connection. We're, we're freeze drying plants, medicinal plants. So this so I, is, you were also doing this in Hawaii. Like that's how you kind of knew about the freeze dry process. Yes, because, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, I was familiar with the process very much. And so when I came out here and I saw how bad a job they were doing in terms of processing the herbs, I said, bring me, bring me over four of those machines, sent them over here and started. Now, is this a normal process when you are um, trying to extract the healthiest, most nutrient-rich aspects of a plant with like so other companies are doing this around the world is this always been a process that people use yeah that's uh, you know what what we do is we don't we don't do any extractions at all the only thing we remove is water um, so that when you rehydrate it it comes back exactly to what it was before if you use any process with heat in it you're going to lose the enzymes the enzymes will be denatured they won't function the way they're supposed to um, they're very sensitive to heat. A lot of vitamins, uh, vitamin C among them, the beta carotene, and a lot of important vitamins, and a lot of different uh, vital ingredients are very sensitive and damaged by heat. So when you put these in an oven or uh, uh, you know process them like that, you can take a very good herb and diminish its value dramatically. And then within, within this freeze-dry process, like, nothing's diminished at all? Nothing's is there... diminished at all. At the end of World War II, they made a freeze-dry machine in France that where they freeze-dried human blood. They freeze-dried plasma so they could carry it to the front lines and put it back into water, rehydrate it, and put it in your body again. Um, the only thing that can be removed physically by 
the freeze dry process is water. Hmm. Nothing. If you wanted to remove something else, you couldn't. Interesting. Okay. All it can do is remove water. So everything but the water is still there, never having been subjected to heat or anything that would uh, you know damage the product. And so that's the advantage of uh, uh, freeze drying. So when you came here. You, you you always knew you wanted to retire here. Is that what I heard earlier? Yeah, I I I did. I was going to retire here, but completely and utterly failed at retirement. Um, it was just so boring after about six months that I had to get going again. And now I'm busier than ever. <laughs> okay. And then when you had the um, freeze dried equipment shipped over, because you obviously knew the the business plan and what you were going to do. I can't imagine that it was easy getting the right permits and, and doing the necessary thing to incorporate here in Thailand. Or maybe it was. Maybe you can talk us through that process and how that worked. No, it was. I wouldn't say it was easy, but um, uh, it, the, the, the Thai people, the Thai FDA, the Thai, Thai government, they actually um, they actually were helpful instead of being obstructionist. Okay, um, we got a we got a BOI license, a board of you know, Thailand Board of Investments license, and we, which gave us privileges, including uh, bringing in a free machinery, duty free, and all kinds of all kinds of different privileges, uh, no corporate taxes, etc., to support these kind of industries that would promote uh, the sale of Thai agricultural products. Huh, that's interesting. And so, you know, when you are getting all this stuff done, and the Thai government's helping you, like yes. Speaking Thai, not speaking Thai, is that an issue? <laughs> you yeah, know, it's an issue. That's the one thing I really regret having done better. But when I speak Thai, the only Thais that understand me are Thais that speak English. Um, otherwise, okay. they just look at me like I'm from outer space. Uh, anyway, um, where were we? <laughs> I'm just talking about the process of you know starting your business and the trials oh, and tribulations. Yeah, that you no, it, you know. There are a lot of problems, but you know, in Thailand, if you just sit there and shut up, um, they, they'll help you solve them. Okay, so just be patient and like let the chaos kind of ensue, and then all of a sudden they have the right permit for you. Yeah, you know, they, they they figure out how they they figure out how to help you. So then, with, <laughs> quite different, I think. <laughs> yeah, but with the idea that you had and where you are today within you know Thai freeze dry. Is this what you expected? I mean, you have now, can you describe to the audience like what this enterprise actually consists of? Yeah, we, uh, we came up with an entirely new type of freeze drying, an entirely new process for a freeze drying. Um, in the freeze dry machines, you put the products on trays or shelves, okay? And you put the trays into uh, the product chamber, which is sort of like a big, imagine a big oven with racks in it. So you rack the product and you put it in there. The thing is that the way this removes water, which is a process called sublimation, can only work on the exposed surface areas. So if you have a pile of leaves, for example, six inches high on this tray, um, it'll dry the top and it'll dry the bottom, but it won't dry the inside because the inside's not exposed. Okay? I understand. So... Um, uh, you can't put six inches of product on the trays. You can put maybe three quarters of an inch of product on the trays. And so you fill up the machine with a very small quantity of, uh, of uh, herbs, 
And if the herbs are, let's say, maybe 80 or 85% water, you eliminate the water, there's practically no production. Okay, it's really small. Mm -hmm. So um, because I had worked with um, freeze-drying for so many years and basically understood the principles, I said, well, all we have to do is figure out a way to increase the surface area, expose surface area. What if it wasn't sitting on trays? What if it was flying around in a vortex? Ah, interesting. Okay. Um, you could increase the exposed surface area hugely, 50 times. That, ex that increases the rate of heat exchange, and you get a very large quantity to dry very fast and very dry. Okay. So we worked with that and developed a machine that would do that and then built a large machine. This is a very large machine. It can do about, depending on the product, about 500 kilos at one time. And instead of taking three days, which a normal freeze-dry machine would take, it takes one day. So you can do five times as much in, in you know, one quarter of the amount of time. It's just really, you know, amazing. But what happened was that we found while we were doing this that the... Um, product was breaking up into a very fine powder right inside the product chamber without any mechanical grinding. Okay, uh, In a regular freeze-dry machine, when you get done uh, drying the product, it's in clumps and lumps. It's not powder. Okay, To make powder, you got to put it in a, in a tin mill or, or, or a grinding, mechanical grinding machine. And if you're getting really fine powder, uh, and as an end result, it just beats the hell out of that product. It hemorrhages the cellular structure, it crushes it, smashes it, damages it. It also can develop a lot of heat uh, from friction if you're not real careful to keep the grinding process under control. If you're going to grind it, you got to shut off that machine and let it cool down. Otherwise, the friction develops so much heat that you negate the advantages of having freeze-dried it. Okay? So... When we saw that what was happening in our machine was that the product was literally breaking up just the motion of the frozen particles and the uh, sublimation of the ice structure holding the particles together, that the thing was dropping into this beautiful fine powder. And when we looked at the powder particles under an electron microscope, you could see that it was a totally different particle structure than even something that was freeze-dried and went through a mechanical grinding process. The, our powder was porous and soft because it was breaking up along natural fracture lines. It was breaking up naturally instead of being crushed and smashed. Okay, and the uh, freeze-dried powder that was put through a grinding mill was it was solid particles with flat surfaces, sharp corners, and you just look at the two. And twelve-year-old looks at the two, says, "Which is easier for your body to absorb?" And everyone immediately just points to our powder. Uh, the science behind it is so simple. A porous particle has more surface area per unit of weight than a solid particle. And the more surface area it has, the easier your body absorbs it. But without knowing the science about it, you look at the two and you go, yeah, that's easy to absorb compared to that uh, beautiful soft particles. So when we saw that, our whole, uh, our whole um, sort of uh, uh, vision changed. Instead of just looking at it, how can we make way more product, way faster, you know, more efficiently? How can we make this freeze-dry efficient for the use, using it for herbs? Okay, 
Um, uh, and we found something we didn't expect, which was this beautiful porous particle structure without any mechanical grinding. So we said, now, now we really have something here. And as we studied it, we started to focus on that side of it rather than the uh, making a larger quantity. And um, we spent about three years getting this huge machine to work. Hmm. The research and development for the machine here, is that cheap? Like, is it easy to get done? And, and you have the engineers here that can constantly be making new parts and tweaking this and that and like... I have a... My factory manager is a German with 12 years in the German army as a mechanical engineer. So my factory manager, Paul, has been an indispensable uh, part of getting this done. And we brought people in from all over the world. We had people coming in from here and from there to do the uh, engineering and stuff. You do a huge chamber like this and you create a vacuum man, that's going to collapse on you if you don't have it constructed correctly, engineered right, and just lots of lots of engineering challenges. And so we did get help from lots of different people. In the end, we made it work. And that was really only the first step, because now you had to figure out how it worked best on all of the different herbs, because we're not... Uh, we're, we're not processing minerals, we're processing live things, and we're processing while they're fresh, they're still alive. So these are bioactive products that we're uh, processing, and they have unique characteristics, um, things that would happen in the process that you would never even expect. Like what? Like, uh, there's one herb called Jiaogalan, which is the Chinese herb of, herb of immortality. It's a fabulous herb. Um, it has uh, about 124 saponins, which is, uh, ginseng has about 28 of these. This has 124. Uh, uh, they're called saponin japenicides. Uh, saponification is how you make soap. Well, at a certain point in our process, all of a sudden, this plant starts, the whole machine just starts filling up with bubbles. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> we're going, what? <laughs> exactly. What? You know? And then we realized that we were having saponification take place. And so we had to figure out how that, how to make that not happen with this particular herb. And we find that with all the herbs, the herbs actually have personalities. They have unique characteristics. They do things that you wouldn't expect. So we spent 12 years figuring out the perfect machine settings, you know, the, the, the temperatures, the times, the atmospheric pressure, because you're working with a vacuum, you can adjust the atmospheric pressure in the machine, um, and all the different factors and getting the best result. And uh, there was no book. There was no one to tell us anything. No one had ever done this before, so uh, it was experimentation. And, you know, uh, a lot of times the first, second, even third time, you know, we didn't get the best result, and we had to keep tweaking it, but then you have to realize that every herb has a slightly different process. The temperatures that you set the machinery at, the atmospheric pressures, the, the uh, um, <coughs> difference between the, the product chamber and the ice chair, all these things you can manipulate and figure out how to get this herb to come out the best possible way. And we spent 12, we spent 12 years at that. 
That's incredible. What a cool story. So that you do, you finally figure out how one machine that can then process all these different herbs at, yes. the, at the right, whatever yes. you just yeah. described. The next machines we'll build will have some programming um, built into them. Uh, right now, we don't have any at all. We have lots and lots of relays. If you open our control cabinet, there's about 600 relays in there. And it's telling us what's going on in each different part of the machine. The, the vacuum chamber, the, the filter chamber, this one. It tells you what's going on there. So you can see what's going on, but and you can adjust it. But it doesn't make any adjustments of itself. All it does is feed you information. So the next generation of this freeze-dry machine will have some programming. We're working with Siemens now in Bangkok. And so Jiaogolan will have its own program. Black Rice will have its own program. Uh, Moringa, turmeric, they'll all have their own programs. Uh, it won't be programmable 100%. It probably never will because nature is just never consistent. But it'll be maybe, we're hoping to get about 35% on the first time around so that you can have a program for the different um, herbs. Okay. Wow. That's so cool, man. I have a lot of questions. And if you don't mind, you don't have to go into tons of detail, but like, were you financing this whole thing yourself from what you made in, in the Maui days? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. And then, you know, from obviously getting to know the herbs as well as you got to know them, how then did that translate within to the human consumption? You know, like it was just obvious that this is now going to be absorbed because what you saw under the microscope or do you find that the process in which it goes through gets a different result for the human being, for the human consumption? Um, no, it's just, it's, you know, it's just purer and stronger and more easy to digest. That's, okay. you know, that's in just across the line, basically. And then each herb, like I said, has its own unique advantages, health, health benefits, uh, you know, eccentricities. <laughs> Have you always sort of, delved into the like the spiritual side of plants and animals oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely you've been into it so what kind of stuff then were you doing in your younger years research wise or like meditation or yeah I, did, I spent a little time with Swami Muktananda okay and uh, he did some you know really interesting things you know it took me out of my body and uh, out of body experiences deep meditation where you uh, basically merge with the white light and all that stuff so I, I did that in my early 20s, and it, something like that is, um, it affects you your whole life. You can never forget about it because it's not, it's not an intellectual understanding or it's not something you read. It's an actual physical experience, and uh, it makes quite an impact. What do you think about the, the new, I don't know if it's, kind of hip and cool. I know it's been around forever, but the ayahuasca trend that's going on right now. Did you ever partake in any of that? No, I don't, but I have some, a lot of friends do. And one really good friend who's, you know, sort of the master of that and brings a lot of people over to do that. And I guess is it in Fiji or wherever they're doing it? Yeah, they do the fire walk and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but I've never, I've never done that myself. Okay. Do you, so, but do you feel like where you find yourself today, you're kind of led here? I mean, this was kind of your purpose in life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And then Thailand being the place that you, you don't think you could have done it anywhere else except for here? Yeah, I think, I think I'd have been regulated out of business years ago if I was in the United States. Um, 
But, you know, here we are at the doorstep of where these herbs grow, or right at the base of these mountains here. And uh, it's so important to be exactly where your herbs are so that you can harvest them and get them very, very quickly while they're still fresh, literally still alive, um, uh, into the process. Because, I mean, we can't improve something. If you give me something that's been sitting in a warehouse for three weeks and it's degraded, um, I can't make it better. All we do is remove water. <laughs> so you then, you'll literally, you'll, you'll go get a dry the, piece of garbage, yeah. You'll go chop it and then take it straight to the freeze dry machine. Exactly. Okay. Can you take us through the different herbs that you actually work with and maybe some of their medicinal purposes? Because oh I know like, a lot of them. you have to go through all of them. Yeah. Let's just go through like the ones maybe right over here. We got Moringa. We have a Mangosteen. Okay. Um, we have Noni. Okay. Um, I can't see it. Jagalon. Jagalon. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about those yeah. and, okay. how they, and how they the health benefits of them? Yeah, okay. Uh, Jagalon which is the Chinese herb of immortality, um, is uh, an adaptogen. Uh, Adaptogens are very unique, and there's certainly few herbs like this, but no medicines like this. They're bidirectional. If your energy is low, they'll increase your energy, but if you're hyperactive, they'll calm you down. Um, If your blood sugar is high, it will reduce it. If your blood sugar is low, it will increase it. If your heart rate, if your if your heart rate is too high, it will reduce it. If it's too low, it'll increase it. It's a uh, it creates balance. It brings your body into um, it brings your body into balance, and somehow it's able to perceive where you're over and where you're under and how much to bring it up. It's absolutely brilliant. Now. The proof that this happens is undeniable because these things are measurable events. You got high blood sugar, you take Giagolon, it lowers it to normal. They go, ah, this is not someone's opinion. It's a physical effect. You take someone else's blood sugar level is low and you give them Giagolon and it raises it. Again, that's a measurable event. You can't deny that this is happening and consistently in over thousands of years, by the way. So... Um, uh, Giagolan is an adaptogen, and an adaptogen works bidirectionally to balance your body. Okay. So it works very differently for different people depending on what's out of balance for you. It's really intelligent. So would this be then like a daily sort of supplement that you would take? You would, yeah, we take two capsules a day, for example, of Giagolan. Yeah, that's how it's delivered, right? So you have all your um, stuff powdered form in little capsules that you just ingest twice yeah a day. and some people want powder too some of our herbs really taste absolutely horrible uh, they're just like really bitter or really you know uh, they just really taste horrible and uh, so those are better taken in capsules that's a better delivery system uh, but some people do want them in powder form and there's a lot of other powders which are delicious and um so you could have those in a capsule, but you could also just have it in a powder to sprinkle on this or add to this, etc. And they they taste real good. Nice. Now so what about Giagolan. So that was that was Giagolan, no, the herb of immortality, the the balancer. Okay. okay. Um, moringa maybe next. Moringa moringa is got the highest nutrition of almost any plant found in nature. The nutritional profile is off the charts, just incredible. I forget the exact. 
percentages were like, you know, 15 times more carotene than carrots, you know, 20 times more potassium than bananas, 15 times more. It's just like ridiculously um, nutritional. Okay. And they have other health benefits as well. But if you were to name one, say, give me a word, that word would be nutrition, plant-based nutrition, which is important to everything. Yeah. So another daily dose, twice a day or once a day? Two capsules a day. And then we got mangosteen next. Mangosteen. We don't use the white fruit, delicious white sweet fruit. It's probably the best fruit I've ever had. Because it is just a white, sugary, highly liquid um, uh, treat. Okay. The good part is the uh, purple part under the skin, the pericarp that you throw away. Like the husk or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The hull or the husk. Uh-huh. And uh, in those dark purple pigments, like in blueberry and acai and those dark colors, you have these flavonoid pigments. That's where your antioxidants are and anti-inflammatories. Um, mangosteen is incredible for any kind of inflammation, whether it's arthritis, whether it's gout, no matter what kind of inflammation you have, dysentery is inflammation. Um, mangosteen fixes it just as fast as the strongest inflammation medicine, but with no negative side effects. Yeah, it doesn't destroy your liver or kidneys yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, how about noni? Um, Noni is one of those fruits you really do want to take in a capsule because our noni is fermented. It's bad enough when it's not fermented, but when it's fermented, God, does it smell and taste horrible. But um, uh, noni is, um, really helps you to relax. Okay, um, uh, It's used in uh, programs to get people off of drugs, etc., because... Um, it has a high levels of tryptophan, which is the precursor to uh, serotonin. And what happens when you have an addiction, your brain builds up receptor sites anytime you do anything real consistently. Like, you know, did you like alcohol the first time you tried it? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Hard alcohol? Yeah. Oh, geez, most people say, no, <laughs> it tasted horrible. You know, or, or black coffee the first time you mm-hmm. tried it. You know, uh, what happens, so if you keep doing it, your body builds up receptor sites, and then you're hooked. It's got you. So what knowing does is it the high tryptophan level increases your serotonin. The serotonin occupies the receptor sites, so you don't have the physical need. You might still have a psychological need, but you won't have a physical need for um, that substance as anymore it reduces the physical need for it so okay. it's used in but it's just absolutely um, it's absolutely uh, an amazing uh, an amazing herb it's got a real great story to it a real great history Does, it was treasured by the Polynesians the Polynesians actually carried noni plants in their outrigger canoes when they went to look for new islands and stuff it was a real real important um, because of its plant. medicinal purposes? Because of medicinal purposes. It was real important to the Polynesians. Just a quick question about the noni, because I've always been fascinated by it. Um, I always heard it has a drawing effect, like it draws heavy metals out of your system. Is that true? Yeah, a lot of herbs do that. Noni does that pretty well. There are some other things that also, other herbs that also uh, do that. But uh, yeah, noni does does that. Um, Do you ever use the leaves for anything? The noni leaves for anything specific? Yeah, no, haven't yet. But I'm, I'd be interested to see 
sometimes the leaves are much more powerful than the fruit. Yeah. Like papaya. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about papaya leaves. Oh, the digestive, the digestive juices in the papaya leaves are super strong, and the leaves are really bitter. Whereas the fruit is sweet, the leaves are really bitter, terribly bitter, like neem, if you've ever had neem. Mm-hmm. Really bitter. Um, but they have super strong digestive enzymes. So um, it's used a lot when, uh, you, for when dengue fever breaks out or some kind of uh, a bacterial infection breaks out. Even just for uh, certain, you know, common flus and stuff, um, it's so strong that it actually digests the bacteria, causing the problem. Wow. That's the metabolic pathway. Very simple. Incredible. It eats it. Yeah. Okay. It digests it, and it's used in cancer therapies because your um, cancers normally have a, a protective coating protein. Uh, uh, fibrous protein coating that protects them from their immune system, the papaya leaves actually digest that protein shield and open open it up to open the cancer cells up to your immune system. Yeah, interesting. It's really fascinating. Before we, we started this conversation, you were talking about um, uh, Thailand starting to look do research and development on cannabis, and you see that foresee that possibly becoming something here that is used as medicinal. Absolutely. Um, they are going to very soon uh, legalize CBD um, oils. Uh, CBD um, has to be below 0.3% THC. THC was get, gets you high. Right. Okay, that gets you stoned. CBDs don't get you stoned at all, but they have some amazing medicinal properties um, for uh, many different illnesses, and um, uh, it really helps relieve suffering. But you don't get high when you use CBDs. Would there be any it's benefit, benefit to like the leaves, say like freeze-drying the leaves and consuming the leaves or something like that? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You can do with the leaves, you can do two things. Um, if you freeze-dry them, they'll be concentrated about seven times. So even the leaves would be powerful. But let's say you're talking about CBDs. There's okay. a lot of CBDs in the leaves and the small capillary veins that hold the leaves together. Um, uh, with our process, you can make that into a powder and then use the powder as a base to extract the oils because the oils will all still be there. Okay. Only the water will be removed. <laughs> I <okay>? love it. <laughs> so the oils will all still be there, but you won't have water anymore, so it becomes really easy to use that as a base, and you can actually get the concentration of CBDs just as high as you can get the concentration of CBDs from buds. You would just get less of them. Okay, but the following processes in extraction, you can concentrate it to any level you want. So it makes really good use of the uh, leaves and capillary stems, and no one else can do that. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to combine CBDs with other herbs. So let's say you want to take CBDs because you have insomnia. You can't fall asleep at night. And uh, one of the effects of CBDs is that they're very effective uh, for, for that. Well, we can take the CBDs and we can add to it some of our chamomile powder, uh, noni. These are known to relax you. So we can create some formulations where CBD is the... Um, is the catalyst ingredient, but then it's implemented by 
other uh, herbs that are synergistic and, you know, give you a stronger um, effect. So that's something that we're really interested in, and we're going to start doing that. And we will, when it's legal, be processing CBD. Okay. Really interesting. What, out of all the products that you have and manufacture, do you take the most? Like, what is your daily cocktail of pills? Um, Herbs, if you will. I, I take I take one of our items every day, but then I take other items when I feel they're needed. Um, for example, I, I do have hereditary um, arthritis in my hands, uh, but when I take mangosteen, it'll go away for months. So I'll take mangosteen when I start to feel uh, that coming on again a little bit, and I'll take mangosteen for four or five days, and it'll go away. So some things I use often, but not all the time. The thing I take all the time is something we call uh, PPMAC, because we can't really talk about what it really is, which is an amazing anti-cancer um, uh, herb, herbal concoction. But um, um, it, it, um, it's not something we can advertise or really uh, talk about. Is it it is FDA approved, okay. but um, um, we didn't name it anything that, you know, to create an association between that and uh, and cancer, but it's very, very effective. And it's a perfect example of synergy, okay, how you get synergies out of different herbs working together. So it's got a good dose of papaya. The papaya, as I said, the leaves, the papaya leaves will digest the fibrous coating that protects the cancer cells from your um, from your uh, system, mm-hmm. okay, from your immune system, okay. Then in the same formula, you have an herb called blue cow. Blue cow is the super duper, most incredible herb in the world for um, boosting your immune system. It just jacks your immune system to attention. It's just absolutely amazing. The doctors use it here for patients that are undergoing oncology treatments. They're taking um, radiation uh, therapy. And uh, the reason they have to wait between therapies is so that your immune system can rebuild itself because the, the uh, chemo completely demolishes your immune system. So the doctors here actually use Plucal to help their patients regenerate their immune system so they can give them stronger and more frequent chemo. <laughs> I mean, this is just an amazing herb. It really boosts your immune system. So now you've opened up the immune system to attack, to attack the cancer shells. Mm-hmm. The papaya did that. Now the plucal jacks up your immune system, really boosts it up. I mean, we've done experiments and clinical trials with this in, in uh, AIDS clinics, and this is just amazing in terms of helping your uh, you know, body and helping your immune system regenerate. Uh, so now on top of that, we have cordyceps. Cordyceps doesn't attack the cancer, but what it does is it causes the cancer not to be able to replicate. Okay. Um, cancer is, rather, I'm sorry, um, um, cordyceps is absolutely identical to adenosine in its chemical structure, except for one oxygen molecule on this, you know, on this chain of things. Otherwise, they're absolutely identical. 
um, your body, um, if it's healthy, if you take in a cordyceptin, it will recognize that it's lacking this oxygen molecule, molecule that'll kick it out and look for adenosine, because it thinks it's adenosine, but it recognizes that uh, it's lacking this oxygen molecule, and a healthy system will kick that out and bring in you know, adenosine. But cancers don't have that ability to, and viruses don't have that ability to uh, correct themselves. Hmm. So it only attacks the, the cancer cells and not the healthy cells around it. And because that one oxygen molecule in that particular location is missing, the bond that creates the ladder structure of your DNA can't form. That oxygen molecule has to be there for that bond to happen. With the cordyceps, it's not there. And so your, the cancer DNA fragments when, means it can't replicate. Hmm. So it stops the replication process. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you got to realize how brilliant nature is. I mean, nature is just... You can't think of some of these things. The most brilliant people alive couldn't, think, couldn't come up with some of the stuff that nature does. It's just phenomenal. phenomenal. It's intelligent. It is. I don't know how in-depth you can go, and please don't feel like you have to, but with the whole, like, not being able to... Um, you have to give it a special name because it can't be associated with what cancer treatment. Like, was there like some big like pharma company that's like gonna destroy you or something? Well, the, yeah, the FDA would destroy us. You're not allowed to make medical claims. I see. Okay. Unless it's licensed as a medicine. I see. Okay. So um, you can't. You have to be careful. But but there are certain things, areas that are more sensitive than others, and so we don't use the C word. I see. Okay. And then my second question is, is your, um, obviously under, your understanding of science is incredible, but you were an economics major. You have a PhD in, in what? World economics. World economics. But yet you seem to really understand the science behind all this. Did you have an affinity for science as a young man or just no, the years I, well, in business? I, I just got very interested in herbs. You know, when you learn how to research and you learn how to study, you can learn how to study anything. And nowadays, it's really easy. I mean, the Internet is... I mean, some of this, you know, knowledge has been around for thousands of years, but it's been hidden. It's the people who had this knowledge or knew this stuff were very few and far between. They were, they were uh, worshipped or they were, uh, you know, uh, given such super high status in society. Um, and, and this was all secret. Now you can find out all, of, all about this stuff. It's not difficult to study if you want to. Yeah, your website, Ty uh, Freeze Dry, does a good job of describing a lot of what you just described, um, the herbs that you do have. Um, so if somebody wanted to order your herbs from you, they just go to Ty Freeze Dry and they can contact you through there and you ship it to them? Yeah, or they can go to, there's a, another website called Bamboo Hut. Bamboo Herbal Hut. Blood. Bamboo Hut Herbal Blends. Okay. Just like it's spelled with www.bamboohutherbalblends. And that has... Uh, a shopping cart, etc. Because uh, our, our Thai freeze dry doesn't um, sell anything on its website. We just provide information, and uh, there's no shopping cart. And okay, you can find us through there. But okay, and then just so maybe for the audience, you know, if, if they are aspiring, maybe move to Thailand or another country and start oh, a, do and it. start a business. <laughs> Is that your advice? Do it. Go for it. Do it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, you know, it, it, it seems to me when I, when I go to America and I go to Europe, maybe even more so in Europe, that the opportunities have all been taken 
Um, it's very hard, you know, any good idea already is monopolized by some, you know, huge corporation. And it's very hard to break into that. Uh, this is, you know, there's a very, um, this, this is a very chaotic uh, place. There's a high entropy index, <laughs> I guess you could say. And, and you know, uh, you, you can do a lot of more, you can do a lot of things. You know, you can, you can really figure out how to do just about anything here, even things you're not supposed to do, as long as you can figure out how. I love it. Dan, thank you so much for coming, sharing your story, and introducing the world to Thai freeze dry. I mean, I'm taking the products. really helps my eczema, the inflammation, keeping that down. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to keep, keep going with it and learn more about it. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shapin, for having me. All right, buddy. Awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us. Again, just such an inspirational human being, you know, coming to a foreign land like this and creating such a powerful, beautiful company that's doing a lot of good for this world and for individuals out there like myself. Remember to follow us on Instagram. You can see what I'm doing, how I'm designing my life as a digital nomad. It's a process that's not easy, but I'm really passionate about it and always trying to bring you the most value with all the content I create within the podcast or within you know, whatever online business I have going at the time, please remember to subscribe and comment on Misfits and Rejects. And if you really like what I'm doing, you want to donate, just go to Patreon, search Misfits and Rejects, and you can find me and donate whatever you want, $1, $5 a month. It's all helpful, not expected. All is appreciated. But again, I love doing this for you guys. These people inspire the heck out of me to keep going, to keep pushing, to keep designing my life in the way I want. And I hope they are inspiring you too. And with that said, please remember, I think you all, are so very beautiful. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.